0: This is the San Francisco Experience with your host, Jim Herlihy, independent news commentary with a California perspective featuring newsmakers, opinion leaders, and authors. Season 14, Episode 12, Day for Night, a film by Francois Truffaut, talking with Sean Chang of the Hill Place movie and TV blog. In today's episode, we're going to review François Truffaut's 1973 comedy classic, Day for Night. Earlier this week, we discussed Nashville, the 1975 drama by Robert Altman. Both films capture the spirit and styles of the 1970s with their ensemble casts. One by a legendary French director, the other by a renowned American director. And with us today... To share his insights about this French film and French filmmaker is Sean Chang. Hi, Sean, and welcome to the show.
1: Hi, Jim. Thanks for having me back for the second time this week.
0: Okay, wonderful. Well, Sean, let's take a moment and tell us about François Truffaut.
1: Well, there's a lot to say about him. I, I will start off by saying that he I would say that he was one of the most important filmmakers, you know, working internationally in the latter half of the twentieth century. From the late fifties into the nineteen eighties, he made about twenty five feature films. Many of them were critically acclaimed. His his feature film directorial debut was 400 blows which was a drama of a of a young 12-year-old I, I, I think in a young man in Paris trying to make his way through life and it's kind of a coming of age story and dealing with parents and dealing with truancy next was a uh, was a was a, a film called uh, shoot the piano player that was his tribute to american films and you know gangster films and film noirs and then he did a romantic drama called Jules and Jim um, I guess in french they called it Jules et Jim and that starred Jean Moreau he quickly he established himself as a as, as a storyteller that had, and this word is often used in regards to Truffaut, a humanistic quality. His movies were not. I, I mean, sometimes they might have a, a bit of a cynical edge, but they weren't. They were not nihilistic. He, he had a. I think he had a great interest in, in human beings and in, in humanity, and uh, he often was very sympathetic in his portrayals of the characters he played. But I also want to take a step back and say that prior to his filmmaking career, he was a very renowned film critic who had written for the renowned uh, film journal in France, Cahiers du Cinema, and his writing helped formulate, along with the other writers there, the auteur theory of, of filmmaking, that the director of the film is the author of the film. And so he was, you know, so he was a part of a, a groundbreaking movement in terms of establishing the auteur theory of, of, of filmmaking. And then in terms of his own directorial debut, and not directorial debut, excuse me, directorial career, um, he was part of what was called the French New Wave. He was part of a group of filmmakers in that era that was changing the way films are being made by having uh, I, I, it, it, the French New Wave is is too complicated to try to encapsulate in a in a short discussion like this. But I would simply say that they were trying to not follow what was what was the established convention and was trying to find a new way of of telling stories on screen. Uh, you know, and, and so that was his background.
0: Okay, let's uh, let's come back to the film itself, Day mm-hmm. for Night, or the mm-hmm. French title was La Nuit Américaine. This film actually won an Academy Award for the Best Foreign Film, right, Sean?
1: Mm Mm-hmm it was kind of odd because um, it was entered, it was submitted by um, by France to the Motion Picture Academy in 1973 as their nomin- uh, as the film that they wanted considered um, for Best Foreign Film, and it won that year. But what was odd was it was it was the following year, I believe, that the film actually uh, w- received a theatrical release in America. So the following year, Day for Night was back at the Oscars and was nominated for Best Director, Best Supporting Actress for Valentina Corteza and best uh, original screenplay. So it was kind of weird because of a weird te- um, kind of a technicality. It got to basically be considered for two years in a row.
0: Uh-huh. Now, t- let's talk about the film because earlier in my comments, I mentioned that I was comparing this film to Nashville. The comparisons are, well, let's see. They they both take place in the early 1970s. They're both mm-hmm. ensemble films. One, mm-hmm. of course, Nashville is a drama Day for Night is a comedy, but to the extent that they both took place in the same era and the same styles and the same spirit, you and I discussed it and we thought, gee, it would be interesting to kind of compare these two different directors, these two different offerings that they, they put before us. So let's talk about the film itself, because as you mentioned earlier, this is a, this is a movie about making movies, right? Right.
1: It's a film about the making of a film in France called Meet Pamela. Je vous présente Pamela. Forgive me for my bad pronunciation. Je vous
0: présente Pamela. Yeah,
1: exactly. Thank you. You're better at it than (laughs) I am. Anyway, um, with my California accent, I basically mangled (laughs) that one. Anyway, but nevertheless, it's a story of a making of a film in France. It's more of a conventional studio shot melodrama. And the film within the film stars various actors that are kind of very similar to the real life actors that are playing them. For instance, the leading lady of this film within the film that's being made is a character named Julie Baker, um, who is a British actress, but who's having a success, who is a, currently a successful motion picture star in Hollywood. And she's played by Jacqueline Bissett, who is a British actress who at that time you know, was enjoying in a wonderful career you know, and beginning the beginning uh, kind of the early stages of her stardom uh, which continues to last to this day Uh, the older man in the film that her character falls in love with is played by Jean-Pierre Aumont and in the in the film within the in in the storyline of Day for Night we find out that his character Alexandre is a French film star who briefly had a period of time making uh, films in Hollywood, which is very similar to Jean-Pierre amon who in the 40s and 50s also had a Hollywood career. And then playing the wife of the older man who gets betrayed is on, on screen. Uh, I mean, the real-life actress is Valentina Corteza, but her character on screen is Severine. And similar um, to you know Valentina Corteza, Severine is an Italian film actress who also worked in Hollywood you know, in the 40s and 50s and who also worked uh, with Federico Fellini. There's a line in the Film where Severine says, "Oh, I don't have to say the lines. I'll just, I'll just say numbers one, you know, one after another, just the way Federico you know, had me do." And you know, in real life, Valentina Corteza acted in *Juliet of the Spirits*, which is a Fellini film. And the fourth um, actor that's uh, dramatized on screen is it's played by the real-life actor Jean-Pierre Leo. And his character on screen is Alphonse. And Alphonse is basically in the film within the film playing a character that's married to Jacqueline Bissett's character. It's a little bit confusing the way I've laid it out. But I, the reason I explained it the way I did is is that the actors on screen and in, in the, in the, the characters in the storyline really echo the actors that were hired to play the play them on screen.
0: Well, tell us about the storyline because there's, you're right, there there are two storylines going on here. One is the storyline of the movie that's being filmed. Mm -hmm. And that's Alphonse and the marriage of Alphonse and Pamela. He, He brings her home to the parents' house, introduces her to the parents. And then suddenly Pamela, his new wife, takes an interest in Alphonse's father.
1: Alphonse is the name of the actor, the character in the story, but 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 not the character he's playing in the film. So let's not confuse the the. the uh, but nevertheless, you know, the, what, you've got the general plot of the movie correctly though.
0: So that's the that's the storyline of the movie. But then, so it, as you said, it's a movie within a movie. So we're yeah. we're watching these actors, the behind the scenes, if you will, going to makeup, going to wardrobe, going to. Uh, learning their lines, having affairs left, right, and center, et cetera, and then Part of the film is actually the making of this, this film called uh, Je Vous Présente, Pamela.
1: Well, I, I think it might have been easier if we just basically start off by I, – I I apologize to listeners by talking about the plot of the film within the film. Um, but it's really about the making of this movie, and it's really about the day-to-day activities, um, you know, among the crew and the cast in terms of what happens. And it's also really about the interaction between the cast and the crew and all the calamities that come up during the making of a film. Francois Truffaut, who co-wrote this film and directed this film he plays the director of this film within the film for um, so, so it had another layer of confusion you know for people <laughs> you know and 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 his character there's no, it's similar to Nashville that there's not really like a main character in this movie I mean Jacqueline Bissett being the biggest star in the cast is top build so in, by and large she's considered the quote-unquote star of the film but she doesn't even show up until 40 minutes into the film I mean once she shows up she's a very major presence you know pretty much to the end of the film but looking at it again just to get ready for this podcast i would say that uh as fron might be you know inadvertently the main character of this film you know we're following him from the beginning to the end trying to get this film made but the reason why you know you wouldn't think of him as the main character is because it's a low-key character he he you know he blends into the background he's an important character he works as a director but he doesn't dominate the scenes uh, the way another another film within the film being made uh, might dramatize a director because i think it reflects something that i read in an interview about truffaut he really didn't want to be a dictatorial director in his own career so i think he makes ferrand a very laid-back director a very gentle director but the director who can be a little bit manipulative himself because sometimes when there's drama going on amongst the the, the, the actors and the filmmakers um he might ele- use elements of what's happening behind the scenes and and add it to the film that he's making so it's it's a comedy but there's also some dramatic elements as well there's a wonderful scene where the valentina corteza character severine is trying to do a scene and it's designed as a long take a long unbroken take but she keeps getting her lines or she get keeps opening the wrong door and and whatever have you and we find out from a character in passing that the Severines character has a son who's dying of leukemia and that she didn't want to take that film world but she was convinced to do it but she's waiting for that phone call that maybe her son has passed away so she's she's under a lot of strain that scene um, was probably what got her her Oscar nomination um, because she's terrific in that scene She lost to Ingrid Bergman, and if anyone wants to look it up on YouTube, Ingrid Bergman's acceptance speech was one of the most incredible acceptance speeches in Oscar history because rather than – Ingrid Bergman won for Murder on the Orient Express, and rather than thank all the people she worked with and talk about how great her performance was, she spent her speech – apologizing to Valentina Corteza, <laughs> yes. who, she, who, she, who she felt should have won, because yeah. she felt that, that Valentina captured what all screen actresses go through in terms of trying to get a film made, all the stress and all the anxiety.
0: I saw that YouTube clip that you'd recommended to me, and Bergman was absolutely gracious and charming and heartfelt. And very mm-hmm. sincere in saying yeah. that uh, saying that Valentina, who was sitting there in the uh, the audience of the Oscars, that she should have won uh, Best Supporting Actress and not uh, Ingrid Bergman. So that that was an interesting vignette. Sean, what do you think was the the win? Why was this film so popular with American audiences, and why did it win the Oscar?
1: Oh, I think it's because. I mean it's an entertaining movie. It's a funny movie. Yes. I would often tell people that if they really want to get a start watching foreign films, French films, European films, Day for Night's a good place to start. It's it's the gateway European film to start so that you can get a flavor as to what, you know, movies made overseas in Europe are like. It's a it's a very accessible movie. I think the thing about Truffaut is, is that he was an accessible filmmaker. I mean he was like like I said earlier, you know, he was not he was not a nihilist in his filmmaking and he really he was not somebody who believed that uh cinema should be tr- it, it, he was not he was not dogmatic in his filmmaking he was not didactic he didn't believe that films should be basically overtly political to deliver a message um, he once said something to the effect of he makes films about characters and stories that he thinks he'll enjoy that he's going to enjoy making and he'll enjoy you know the story and he hopes the audience will enjoy as well but that if if he ever came to a point where he felt like film making making with some sort of a duty to, you know, share a political message, then he'll find something else to do for a living because that's not what he feels, uh, you know, the the craft or, and the medium should be about. And, and you know, these days, as, as I've said before on this podcast, with so many filmmakers being so heavy-handed about a message in politics, someone who really is a, is an art for art's sake and an entertainment for entertainment's sake type filmmaker like Truffaut, who was a genuine artist, you know, I must add. It, it's really refreshing that someone who is a serious, as he was could also be so down to earth in terms of what what he felt his role in terms of filmmaking was. Uh, but I think that's one reason why it was, you know, so popular and accessible. Another thing is is that people are fascinated by movie making i mean people are always fascinated by something that they don't know anything about yes. and the movie really you know was very detail oriented in terms of showing you know the intricacies in terms of how this gets made in movies how that happens etc cetera, etc cetera. so i think that was something that was intriguing to the audience um, it, it told you know how movies are made you know the nuts and bolts of it in a way that was you know that that was Entertaining and, like I said, accessible. And, and some of the other subplots in the movie are just are just hilarious. A wonderful French Canadian actress who's still successful to this day and works a lot, Alexandra Stewart, uh, plays an actress named Stacy. And Stacy doesn't want to do a bathing suit scene in a swimming pool, but it turns out uh, when 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 she actually does it, the reason why is because she's pregnant. And she was trying right. to hide her pregnancy, <laughs> right. and so so there's a lot of humor to the movie, but there's a lot of humanity to it as well. And so. It, there's just a lot, and, and Jean-Pierre Oman plays um, Alexandre, the, the dashing older leading man. And then we find out in the course of the story that he's got a, he's gay, and he's got a he's got a male lover who flies in and out every so often to come visit him. And so there's a lot of poignancy to the story. I, I like I said, it's it's very it's very humanistic and it's very entertaining. And there's a lot going on. One of the you, know, you asked me about Nashville. What was the theme of Nashville? And I couldn't answer that question for you because that movie, you know, is about a lot of things all at once. But I would say in terms of day for night, and people have written about this, and, but it really comes through on screen uh, very explicitly. It's really about a group of people who are obsessed with movies you know the crew members the actors they're obsessed with movies they're obsessed with their profession you know even when they're taking a break in in the evening they're all talking about going to a movie theater together to watch a film so (laughs) and and I think because Truffaut himself has always been obsessed with movies he wrote about films films um, he had a troubled childhood and apparently films was you know provided him an escape something to uh, escape from the real uh, the real life challenges of his childhood something to believe in something Thing to build a life and career on i think it probably is something he wrestled with throughout his life like it, it, it you know, were films more important you know than life but i think from everything i've read about him and it sounds like he's, he's a pretty advanced human being and i don't say that lightly about people hmm. he had three daughters two or three daughters i understand and, and they all speak highly of him he had you know friendships you know that were long lasting apparently he cared deeply about people nobody's ever said a bad story about him or bad anecdote you know he he loved to travel to the united states i think that the irony is is that he made a film about people who are obsessed with movies and who might uh think that movies are more important than life because in, in one scene the wonderful french actress natalie by playing the um Playing the assistant to the director, Frond, when she finds out that the script girl left the production because she fell in love with the stuntman and, and, and left. She has that great line, like, i dump a guy for a movie, but I'd never dump a movie for a guy. <laughs> right. You know. But I think I think the thing is, the point I'm trying to make is, is that from everything I can sense and from what I've read, Truffaut, loved uh, love movies, was obsessed with movies. But he also seemed like a well-rounded person who also embraced life himself.
0: Let's come back to Jacqueline Bissett's character, Uh because uh, she's, as you said, she doesn't appear in the film until about 40 minutes in. But then once she appears, then she dominates the film for the rest of the film. Exactly. And her reputation precedes her. She is, it's explained that she is in somewhat fragile health that yes, she yes. has recently married. Uh, so they, they build up this aura around her. She arrives, there's a press conference for her at the Nice Airport. She's supported by her new husband, a doctor. Talk to me a little bit about her because it plays a pivotal role in the... The film is about to collapse when the leading mm-hmm. man, uh, Leo, yeah. otherwise known as Alphonse, when, yeah. when he is about to quit and just leave the film high and dry. And she persuades him to stay on side talk to me a little bit about the role she plays
1: oh okay well uh, her character julie baker um the background uh, in this in you know that we learned about the julie baker character is that her mother was a glamorous movie star in her day um and that julie baker grew up is british but also had spent some time in hollywood growing up because her mother was a hollywood star as you just said she apparently had a nervous breakdown prior to the beginning of production of meet pamela and there's concern about what would happen if she has another nervous breakdown and whether the insurance will cover any kind of production delays but she comes across as basically a fragile a sensitive person but smart and intelligent yes but smart and intelligent and overall i think a decent person but i i must say she's a very decent person uh, and a caring person but almost too caring. When Alphonse, as you mentioned, the Jean-Pierre Leo character, um, the younger leading man of the film, says he's going to leave the production because his girlfriend, uh, the script girl, uh, abandoned him and and went off with the with the uh, stunt man. She ends up in bed with uh, with Alphonse to yes. convince him to stay, which is crazy. <laughs> with, with, but I think but I think it demonstrates not so much like an instability on the part on the character of Julie Baker, but I think it means that he, that even Julie Baker who is a sensitive person who's you know emotionally fragile even she believes that anything that needs to get done to in order to ensure the, the survival of the of the movie to make sure that the movie gets completed properly she'll do
0: whatever you know? whatever it takes
1: exactly and so when she does that it shows I mean, it shows like you know, I think everybody to some degree or another, they're so movie crazy, you know, that that even she is movie crazy, just like the crew members are. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what it reflects. But I'll, I'll just say that supposedly I read something the other day, and um, you know, that supposedly Francois Truffaut was considering Gene Seberg for the role of yes. Julie Baker. I, I, have, I have I don't know if there's any truth to it or not. I kind of doubt it because in 1973, uh, Gene Seberg's career was not at the heights that Jacqueline Bissett's career was. And I think having Bissett, who is an established Hollywood star, in this French production, you sense, you know, amongst you know everyone in the film that they're excited to have Julie Baker as part of the production. And I think Truffaut and the, and the, the other people in real life were excited to have Jacqueline Bissett as part of their production mm-hmm. because she was a major star at the time. Um, Bissett, just to give you some background, Bissett was a British actress. She got a movie contract with 20th Century Fox in the mid 1960s. She came out to Hollywood. She made one feature film after another in over the course of several years. Um, the most notable ones included uh, Bullet with Steve McQueen, oh, yes. an Airport, an Airport with Dean Martin. Mm-hmm. And the thing about Bissett is, is that she was always inspired to become an actress because she loved uh, European cinema. She loved French and Italian films. Um, She was a big fan of Truffaut. She was a fan of Fellini. And to get this offer to go to France to make uh, Day for Night was a big deal for her. I mean, she, I mean, she, she's not a snob. She she appreciates all the American commercial films she did like Airport and Bullet. But getting the offer for Day for Night, I, and from what I understand, it was a film along the lines of what she had always aspired to. And and um, by making Day for Night, it opened up a, a career for Bissett in European films that she's continued to take advantage of through the years through the Decades, you know, Bissett has always gone back to France to make movies. She's gone to Italy to make movies, um, so she's really embraced continental cinema.
0: And she actually speaks French. Her French was excellent uh, in the uh, in the film. And yes, and of course, get, tell that vignette about her again—her diligence and knowing her lines and studying her lines—and the comment that Truffaut makes about her—that all she has to do is put the put the lines underneath her pillow and by osmosis she'll she'll absorb the lines in her sleep or something.
1: Well, you just already said it, but but basically in the film. Uh, the Ferran character is talking with the Julie Baker character, and Julie Baker's saying, "Oh, I I, I really need the, the the rewrites well before filming, so I have enough time to study them." And his character says, "Don't worry, you know, just read it once, put it under your pillow, sleep on it, and you'll know it by morning." And her character just kind of, and he walks away, and her character goes, "Oh, optimista," <laughs> and she, and in real life, apparently. That's what happened. That she had said to Truffaut in real life, French is not my first language, but so please give give me enough time to study them. Uh, d- please don't please don't um, provide me the, the lines at the last minute and he said just don't worry just read it once put it on your pillow sleep on it and you'll know it by morning and in real life apparently Bissett said optimista <laughs> but then when she got some rewrites later she found that apparently Truffaut had written that into the film and- that that it for, for their characters so I, I th- th- that gives you an example of how like in the film within the film Ferrand is taking elements of the of the actors and putting it in his film And Truffaut is doing the same thing.
0: Well, Sean, in the remaining few minutes of the podcast, do you have any closing thoughts for our listeners? Because... This film is, was made 49 years ago. It won the Oscar in 1974, I believe. But in, in many respects, it's, a, it's, it's still very current, especially, especially for anyone who is a fan of the 1970s. The styles, the themes uh, are, are all present in that film. Any closing thoughts for our listeners as to why they should invest the time and the effort in seeing a film that was made in 1973?
1: Oh well, it's a great movie. I mean, I don't know what more to say beyond <laughs> that. It's a it's a great movie. It's an entertaining movie. It's a funny movie, and it's moving and touching. You you'll like these characters. I mean, it, it's absolutely terrific. I, like I said, I'm, I'm in the in the moments remaining. Like I said, Natalie Bai, who plays um, the the assistant to the director, uh, Joelle, is a terrific character. She's smart. She's with it. Um, she's down to earth. It's a it's a character that you know a lot of young women will probably watch and admire that character because she's she's just you know she she's like a, she's like you can see that that the Joelle character is someday you know potentially going to be a filmmaker herself. She's got that kind of confidence and authority about herself. The only other other thing, and I'll try to tell the story very quickly. Back in the day when uh, Truffaut was a critic at Calle du Cinema, one of his colleagues and friends there was Jean-Luc Godard. And Godard himself became a very famous filmmaker, starting with the film Breathless, starring Gene Seberg and Jean-Paul Belmondo. Mm -hmm. Um, But by 1973, Godard's career, he'd, he'd he'd become The opposite of Truffaut, very didactic. He considered himself a a Marxist or a Maoist or a communist. Uh, His films became very political in nature. And the year before, um, Day for Night, he made a film with Yves Montand and Jane Fonda called uh, Tu Va Bien, which is basically, um, I think, a story about, if I remember the storyline correctly, about a strike at a a, uh, sausage plant. Oh, yes. It was very, very political in nature. I guess Godard was angry at Day for Night when he watched the film, and he wrote um, a letter to Truffaut, uh, calling the movie Truffaut's movie a lie, and saying that you know you didn't really delve into the reality of filmmaking, you didn't show the little people. So, uh, I'm paraphrasing what yes. just a bit. and so and to make up for it, maybe we should make a film together, and you should, you should finance my next movie so that we can make a film that's truthful about filmmaking. And Truffaut wrote this, just brilliant 20 page rebuttal letter that just told him <laughs> off i mean if anyone can find the letter online there's several english translations or you can find the original french text and it's a brilliant letter where he just he just tore him to pieces and called him a hypocrite and all these other things and 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 the thing that really is what the reason i'm bringing this up jim is is that uh, day for night is a is a warm movie it's a it's a, it's a compassionate movie uh, it's a movie made by somebody who likes people and the thing that's remarkable about the letter is is that he castigates godard for his treatment of people through the years and he has a whole laundry list of people and he goes into depth about you did this to that person you did that to that person you know she's just gotten out of the hospital or she's in the hospital because of an accident and, and i think going tying it back to the theme of what i was saying before are, you know, movies more important than life, that letter showed that life was just as important as movies for Truffaut, that Truffaut was really connected to the people around him and cared deeply about them and was not this self-centered narcissist. He really basically, you know, had a, had a sense about about humanity, and I think that's what that is reflected in his movies and why his movies are as well regarded as they are. And in, so, fact, anyway.
0: in fact, that really, that profile of him and those qualities about him come across loud and clear in the film it's uh, all of the cast as and it's a large cast all of the cast love him and he's mm-hmm. the glue that seems to hold them together uh, as you said it's funny but there's a warmth about the ca- uh, about the cast and they all want to do well in part because Truffaut himself is such a, a likable and charismatic character
1: yeah, yeah, he's a great director and great writer behind the scenes. But when he plays Ferran, the on-screen director of this film, you know, it, it, he's great. I mean, yeah, he acted in two other films that I can think of right now: The Green Room and The Wild Child. And he also, you know, captures your attention in those films as well. I mean, you know, I mean, he was primarily a writer and director and a film critic. But as an actor, he he has a solid, you know, quality as well. Like I said, I I want to wrap up by prefacing that there are much more. Uh, knowledgeable Truffaut and Godard, um, enthusiasts out, you know, much more knowledgeable and much more articulate than I am. So hopefully I haven't said anything uh, that <laughs> stepped on their toes or offended them. Like I said, I, I i think it's a great film. He's a great filmmaker. The San Francisco Experience uh, l- listeners are all very erudite, like I said before. So they probably know about Truffaut. They probably know about this film. But in the event that they don't, I hope this is uh, the beginning of them um, sampling his work.
0: Well, Sean, I think you answered my question as to why our listeners ought to go and see this film day for night. Once again, thank you very much for sharing your encyclopedic knowledge of film and of day for night and Francois Truffaut, Jacqueline Bissett, the rest of the cast. Again, Sean, thank you very much for being with us.
1: Oh, thank you for having me back.
0: My pleasure. And for my listeners, as the San Francisco Experience celebrates its second anniversary, thank you for listening. Today's episode is number 277. We're carried on 19 podcast platforms, Apple, Spotify, Pandora, Amazon Music, among others. We have listeners in 50-plus countries and all 50 states. This has been the San Francisco Experience with your host, Jim Herlihy, coming to you from America's favorite city, San Francisco.